Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is TJ Morris. And you're listening to TJ Morris CT Radio. So I go by Teresa Jeanette Morris because that's the name I was uh, told was my legal name. I was born Teresa Jeanette Thurmond, and I got married, and I am no longer married because he passed away. We're going to talk a little bit about some strange things tonight, but a funny thing happened on the way to the radio station tonight. John Shaughnessy that was going to join us tonight is stuck out at somewhere on the road. So, fortunately, I put Jan and Matt up here, but I don't see either one of them, so looks like the world's throwing me a curveball. But I've got Jan Harzan, who had just happened to be talking to me, and he is an author and a very important archivist for ufologists around the world, and he started Project 1947 and had the backing of the famous billionaire or millionaire, I don't even know, uh, Robert Bigelow. So he's going to come on for us. So if you'll stand by, uh, ah, <laughs> I'm going to try to call him because he's not on here yet. So. Let's see if I can get through, because he's got strange uh, equipment problems all the time, uh, being way up there in Massachusetts. But so was John. But let's see if I can get him, and we will have uh, some stuff to talk about tonight, besides all the stuff we're hearing about in the world, with uh, what's going on these days with the world, and... uh, God threw me a curveball. Oh, now he's calling in. Let's see. Well, which one do I answer? Let's see. Is that you? I'm calling you. Yeah, it's you. me, Jen. <laughs> I was just calling you. Let me hang up. Cool. Okay. We're thank you, Jen. You're live and on the air with uh, TJ Marcy Two Radio and our ACO radios, and we also cross over into Cosmos radios and the Revolution radios. So. Thank you, everybody. I just want to report that Mike Ringley has passed away on the 25th, and uh, we're celebrating that uh, because we know that he's passed on to another great place. But here's Janet. Hey, Janet, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? Can you hear me? Good. Yeah, uh, John Shaughnessy at the last minute got stuck out in traffic. He can't get back in time. So uh, Jan's from Massachusetts. They're both from Massachusetts. So Jan is with our UFO Association. He's a wonderful UFO historian. I know you'll just love talking to him. So he's come on, and we're going to set up a regular weekly. So Jan, oh, I'll put Jan Harzan. Oh, 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 
Jan Aldrich, oh, folks. Jan. Oh, I'm so apologetic. I'm so apologetic. Oh my gosh, Jan, I was trying to hurry up and uh, Jan and get get uh, it switched. Jan Aldrich, folks. Now, Jan, can you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll let Jan it because you came called in first, and I'm in panic mode. I'm not used to the last minute switching everything around, but thank God I've got friends. And I don't know, should I say friends in low places, Jan, or high places with Janet, Jan, um, and Janet? We're all we're all over the world. <laughs> we're all over the world. We're just in the world. We're in the distance, I should say. Go ahead, Jan. I didn't catch part of that. You want me to introduce myself, right? Yes, if you don't mind, because I've got your name, and I've got John's out and Jan Harzen in, and I need time to type your name in. Right. So if you don't mind, go ahead, and I'll fix this. Uh, I'm Jan Aldrich. I'm uh, a retired Army uh, 25 years in the Army and then uh, went to work for the post office for almost the same amount of time. Uh, I've been interested in UFOs since uh, junior high, so that's uh, that's uh, a little over 50 years now. And uh, uh, when I retired from the Army, I started a... Uh, 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 a project which got funded it's called Project 1947 and it was about the beginning of the UFO era tracking down uh, government documents and uh, press coverage of uh, um, 1947 so we looked at about uh, uh colleagues and myself, we look at about 4,000 newspapers in North America and around the world and gathered uh, large amounts of uh, cases that uh, nobody had, had heard before. A lot of these were just local cases that... Uh, uh, were in the local papers and didn't get any uh, weren't put on the news wires or anything. So these uh, these uh, kinds of cases, some of them were very spectacular and one of the things we did find out was that uh, there's not much new in the UFO era. And, uh, uh, everything just about was in 1947, except for maybe abductions. Um, so uh, that's interesting to note. And, uh, of course, if anybody starts talking about the early days, they say, well, you know, those things were far away in the sky. No. They came right down to Earth, and there were landings and, uh all over the place, just like there are in any other flap. Um, and of course, the uh, uh, the authorities were completely un—they uh, had no idea about how to handle this. So that's—I'd uh, like to try to get in some of this uh, how this whole uh, government thing came into. Uh, um, uh, the beginning of the UFO era is very interesting. 
Okay, um, hold on and let me let Janet get in here because when she and I work together, she has to introduce herself because she has a radio station like I do, and then we share Cosmos radios, ACR radios, and uh, I've actually got Revolution radios, plurals now. So we're promoting uh, all three, well, four yeah, four channels. So uh, hold hold that thought, and we'll let you get into that. So Janet, go ahead and introduce yourself for Aquarian Radio, please. Oh, hi. I'm Janet Kierlesson, and um, my my network is the Aquarian Radio Network, and I'm also on Revolution Radio. I have two um, shows on Revolution Radio, Stargate to the Cosmos on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., and Sundays is the Sacred Matrix at 8 p.m., that's the older of the two shows. So I've been doing this for a long time. Um, I'm a, an author. I have about 11 books now, a couple more in the works. And the work with TJ since, well, this time around 2012, we actually tracked back to 1993 um, in Oahu. So I was really interested in what you were saying, Jan. Um, so you said something about Nothing is new. I, I should have written it down. In 1947, this whole thing started. And are they still landing? Are we getting the reports of the landing? I know the early researchers were reporting yes, landings. Yes, there are, there are uh, landings. Uh, in fact, um, if you go to the MUFON uh, website, they have, uh, they have some recent uh, low-level sightings on there. Are they leaving marks in the ground like they did before? You know the, or are they a different type of craft now? What's that? Before, yeah. back in the day, they used to go out and they'd see these little marks on the ground. You know, like maybe it was a landing gear or something. Are we are we finding that they're leaving traces, or are they are they actually landing on the ground, or are they hovering above? Are they leaving traces? Um, yeah, yeah. There, traces? There, 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 are, there are trace cases, too. Um, after the, uh, I'd say the 80s, the amount of landing seemed to be going down statistically. But mm-hmm. they are still, there's still trace cases. There's still uh, cases of uh, interference with radios and uh, car engines. And lights and uh, house uh, how interference with uh, electricity, you know, in homes and things like that. Mhm. So it doesn't matter if it's 47 or uh, 1947 or 2019. Mm-hmm. Things like that are still going on. Now, since uh, the 40, in the 47, we weren't hearing about the abduction, so did you trace the whole history? When did we start getting stories about abductions? Was that Betty and Barney Hill? Um, and it seems earlier it was rather like contact or ambassadors, and then it became unconscious abductions, uh, you know, taken without consent. It, you know, the 50s we had the different people that were going on board the craft, and they were getting a tour, and then we moved into this um, where they were doing uh, the mind yeah, wipes. Yeah, do you know, think you, the, have you tracked uh, that down when it started? I think there were abductions prior to Hill. There were, there's claims of abductions prior, prior to the Hills. 
I think the Hills were the ones that broke the story open. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there are um, people with missing times and everything. And uh, um, people that uh, are aware of something that appeared to happen to them uh, before 1961 when that those caves happened. Um, I'm not really uh, the one to ask about that. I tried to leave that uh, to other people. If I get if I, uh, somebody calls me about abductions or I, I I meet somebody, I usually try to pass that along to somebody that may be uh, better mm-hmm. at uh, uh, working on that. Uh, I used to pass everybody along to Richard Hall. But uh, he's he's deceased. Um, I had one that was very interesting. Uh, he was. Uh, I don't think he was not intelligent. I thought he was. In fact, to me, he was very intelligent. The way he talked to her, but he was not too well educated. And mm-hmm. his the way he was talking to me, and what it showed to me was because he keeps talking about these people coming to him and showing him these circles, half circles, pieces out of a pie like, and I think they were trying to, you know, and uh, uh, cutting up lines. I think they were trying to teach him higher mathematics. And I'm saying it's, it's, uh, it's just fascinating what you're telling me. Um, this guy was, he he didn't like this thing at all, and he didn't really want to talk to me, so, uh, I, uh, you know, when I questioned him, he, uh, he he sounded to me very interesting, but uh, he he didn't want to really uh, carry on with it. That was, that was to me, the most inter- interesting case I've heard of. It's like they were trying to teach him... Uh, uh, higher mathematics like uh, trigonomet- trigonometry and geometry and uh, even uh, calculus. Uh, but he said, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Wow. Well, you know, I have a contact experiencer and so is TJ. And I didn't have a contact. I was born in 54. And I've been having ongoing contact all my life. And right now, you know what? What's that? Calvin Calvin Parker is born in that year. Your your year. Okay. Yeah, and I had him last night, and he and I did a lot of comparison. So uh, there's something to the nuts and bolts people in the uh, history, but there's also how we can go forward with experiences as well. And we'll be blending mm-hmm. all that together, I think, in the future. But uh, uh, Jan is going to help us archive history. Uh, now, Janet, you need to know Jan worked for Bigelow. Tell her your Bigelow story before we get into the details. Uh, you know who – she knows who Robert Bigelow is. I know who Bigelow is, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't work for him directly uh, <clears throat> when they had the uh, UFO uh, – Research Coalition, I got a grant. And, of course, the money was for Bigelow. And uh, 
That's what started in 1947. This was before they started putting newspapers online. This is back in uh, uh, 1994, 5, 6, 7. And this is before they started putting these things online. So the way you, if you wanted to look at newspapers, you had to travel around the country to the, uh, to some of the big libraries, like, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, New, uh, New Mexico, you, you, uh, the, uh, the library for newspapers in New Mexico was the, uh, University of New Mexico. Um, California has, uh, so many newspapers that it was split up between a number of uh, libraries, like uh, uh, U, uh, uh, University of California at um, Riverside and and then Berkeley and the uh, California State Library and the California Historical Society. So I, I had to visit all of those. Um, and Texas is it's it's a it's a number of libraries, although UT at uh, Austin is the main one. But there's others that have uh, collections of newspapers. And then of course the Library of Congress has giant collection. But uh, that's what that's what I was doing. That's that's you know doing that kind of thing and visiting the National Archives and looking at government documents. Um, the Air Force uh, Historical Research Agency in at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama is another place that I went. So you were finding the stories that didn't make it into Blue Book and didn't make it past any right. young. Right, mm -hmm. and some of the stories are from military men, and they didn't. They never made it to Blue Book, or mm -hmm. they've been lost. Um, this might be interesting. This is uh, things that w were investigated by the government never made it to Blue Book in some cases. So, uh, but over the years, uh, Blue Book's uh, well, Blue Book, but this Project Sign. Uh, when Project Sign ended. They just dumped all the files on the uh, uh, in a room one somewhere, and they were all they all became mixed up. And then people would come into the room to uh, check something and pour through the files and mix them up. And and people probably took souvenirs. And so there's things that have just disappeared from the early files. That if that's not bad enough, that's just one incident. So wow. when Project Blue Book came along, um, they sent they uh, one of the things they did is they got Battelle to uh, computerize their files, and in some cases Battelle got the only copy of some of the cases that they had. Well, when Battelle got through putting these things on. Uh, on a computer, they destroyed all the files they were given. So that's another place that files were lost. <laughs> so during its history, the Air Force 
lost files many times because of starting and stopping and letting the file files uh, go uh, essentially go to hell, you know, and then picking mm-hmm. it up again, and then they have to restart again and refile everything in a. So it's uh, it, it's not it's not uh, unusual that there are a lot of cases that you can find in newspapers by local by Air Force people at local bases, and they never made it to Project Blue Book, or they're lost somewhere. Yeah, I, I worked on a military base, so I I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They they have they have people that I I would go into a you know I did a lot of mid it mid type jobs and I'd go into it and it was like oh my god where do I yeah. start you know and they exactly. didn't have any over they didn't have any overlap they didn't have one person leaving to train the next person coming in because they were right. assignments and they were off they were gone and you're in. And you're and you're looking at this documentation. It's often poor, and um, so I remember my job. I was kind of faking it because I didn't know what to do half of it, <laughs> you know, because there wasn't a clear understanding of what we're supposed to do. And we think we try to think believe that our military is efficient, but it's like, yeah. So that's what I encountered in several departments at this job I had on the base, and I can imagine taking that across the country. So what you're saying is not shocking. Like, okay. yeah, well, I, I I was uh, I, I went to, I went to a job in Europe and I knew I was going to be the intelligence sergeant. Um, and I walked in there and they said, okay, um, you got to do all this paperwork for the uh, nuclear program. And I says, I, I haven't been trained on this. <laughs> and the sergeant major looks at me, looks at me, and he says. Guess what? After <laughs> basic training and and AIT, most people haven't been trained on the job they've got. You, you know, you always get a new job, and he says, "This is your new job." I had to burn the midnight oil for for a long time to catch up. I did too. Mm-hmm. I was a manager, so I know the feeling. I dealt with classified, so all of us got thrown into positions, and it's OJT. Very seldom yes. do you have. The officers came to me, and I just had to be smart and do it because they – and I've seen the same thing, Jan, in hospitals recently. You know, my daughter just died. So when I was over at the hospital, several here in Florida, but the cancer center, they'd bring doctors in from all over the country to work, and they just looked like they were lost. I mean, they know, what, they know their uh, studies in the cancer business, so to speak. But uh, they'd come on the floors and look to the nurses to train them and know who's on duty and who's off. And, you know, I got to learn a lot. But I worked in the military and I worked in the uh, veterans' uh, hospitals a lot when I traveled. So I had a corpsman uh, HM2 level, but I also had the security manager position. And because of my background was in investigations, they would just assume, and it's a good thing that I got trained. Janet and I just uh, i just found some of my old paperwork I sent to my mother. Have you heard of Raytheon and Bechtel? I was working on Spy Wars, Jan, if you've ever heard of that, and I didn't even yes. remember it. 
back in the 80s. So when were you in? When were you in that you were literally on the job in the military? Oh, 1994. But um, that's when I got out. I uh, I went to Europe in uh, um, uh, 86, and I was lucky. I had uh, the uh, special weapons sergeant that was there. He had worked. in nuclear weapons on every level from um, from uh, battery level battalion level um, division uh, and army he had worked on every level so he knew uh, he had a good idea of everything and he had a he had a reputation they knew about him in the Pentagon (laughs) now how many is in a battalion do you remember huh how many is in a battalion? How many troops? Well, I, I was in an artillery battalion, so, um, and, uh, see, we were plussing up. Well, uh, eight, eight inch, eight, eight inch battalion usually had, uh, you know, like, um, uh, eight to 12 guns, and we were plussing up to, uh, 16. And now you so, said ninety four. So were you in that's Germany? When I got out. You say? What? Were you in Germany? I got out four twenty nine ninety three. But uh yeah. my husband got out in ninety three. Did you go to Germany? Yeah, I was in Germany for two tours and uh part of a tour in Italy. So you were in the same time I was. Did you go to Grafenbeer? All the time. Holy crap. Second home. Yeah. <laughs> it's a second home. OMG. Janet, are you listening to this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a small world, isn't it? I got yeah. out. I got off base. I was never in the military. I was civilian working for the military, but I worked on Johnson Atoll, which is a, um, yeah, I don't know, what is the category? Sure. Super secret there, so I was I got some kind of clearance to let me come into the super secret place, and uh, so I I actually got out later than you did. I got out in ninety seven, so you guys yeah. were there earlier than I was. Yeah. And and there was some ET shit going on there. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Johnson Island is. Uh, uh, I don't think there's anything there anymore, but it was it, it, that was a hairy place. That's the official story, but I've had some whistleblowers saying no, they just, you know, it's like an uh, underground, underwater ET joint um, U.S. military base. So they wanted to up their secret stuff, so they got everybody out of there. There was only three thousand of us. At any time there, anyway, it was like the height of the population, about three thousand people. So they just right. put out the official story that it shut down. But one of my whistleblowers said, "No, they go like, you know, thirteen. They go levels down under the ocean, like way deep, way deep, thirteen levels down or something." And then he, I, I thought he might be telling me stories, but he verified uh, that he was there because I said, well, "What about this? What about that?" You know. So he said, "Oh yeah, that's the." The shark shoot and this type of thing. Only someone's been there would know the names, right? <laughs> of the buildings and even the ruins are there. They took most everything out, but there's still some areas that you um, 
you know, the ruins. Anyway, so I think it's still a highly active base. And then Dr. Sala, in 2009, after Obama got elected the first, you know, for the first term, he uh, published an article that uh, they had a secret uh, meeting like Eisenhower had. And so that was 2009 on Aka Island, which is part of the Johnson Atoll group. So it's so small. Although that's what's on the surface is really, you know, they could be going underwater. I know there's a lot of stuff underwater. Well, Tom was uh, in the uh, same artillery. So do you know uh, General Crosby Saint's name, Jan? Yeah, I know his name, yeah. Whoa. Now, Jan, that's a uh, – Tom worked directly for Colin Powell, but before he was under Colin – Colin Powell came in later after uh, – what's the real thing? Patton. So you worked under Patton and – Powell, didn't you? Did you work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Powell was there when I was there. Uh, so Powell was my, still my there. battalion commander. My battalion commander was one of uh, Colin Powell's fair-haired boys. Okay. He took well, a. Tom he took a, too. Yeah. Uh, I so, couldn't believe we were working in Iraq and Iran behind the. Themes, right? Colin Powell just got in after, uh, uh, what is it, Patton or what's the other guy's name? Not uh, Patton, the other guy. Uh, the fat dude. Uh, right before Powell got there. What was his name? Oh, I, uh, I have to look it uh, up. I, 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 it, 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 it slips my mind. Uh, Powell, yeah, was, well, Powell was well, there during the uh, during the Vietnam War. Um, I mean the uh, uh, Desert Storm. Desert Storm, yeah. Um, my commander had taken a uh, 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 an assignment that nobody else wanted, and so because he had done that. Uh, Powell sent him, used to send him personally top secret briefings. And of course, I said, the intelligence sergeant, so he would bring them down to the shop and he'd say, I need these things um, shredded. He says, I'm going to watch you do it because I have to say, I have to sign off on it afterwards. <clears throat> and he said, Don't you look at any of this. But you can't avoid looking at things, you know. Yeah, right. And it was it, it was stuff all over the world, and I said something. You know, I must have I I wasn't supposed to say anything, but I said, "Oh, that's from." Well, let's just make up a uh, Angola, and he he says, "Yeah," he says, "I'm being groomed for another assignment after I leave here," and I said, "Oh, okay." Your boss did. <laughs> Yeah, my boss was. Now he must so work. He was going to someplace special afterwards. I don't know where. Well, Tom uh, worked. Had to fly in from the field. He went over. Uh, was working when they were throwing satchels on those uh, oil. You remember the uh, all the oil between Bush and the, I guess uh, 
Iran and Iraq. Let's see. He, they would go over there and throw uh, satchels on those big old round things of oil, right? right? And so he would have to report in. But he went over there. Tom, while he was over there, he went went into uh, oh the guy, his, uh, Saddam Hussein had a big old palace like thing and a big uh, fence around it, and he uh, the Cullen didn't believe it. What was I'll keep wanting to say? Why do I want to say Arnold Schwarzenegger? But Schwarzkopf is it Schwarzkopf? Schwarzkopf. Schwarzkopf. Okay, got, I finally got it. At, uh, General Schwarzkopf. So Tom worked for General Schwarzkopf, but when they uh, got rid of him, they called Tom in, and he had to brief Colin Powell because Tom was the only one in the field. You know, they'd fly him in out of the field on a helicopter to brief, and he went. Tom went to those big meetings with uh, the guys that wore the skirts for uh, uh, not <laughs> The guys that wore the skirts. Yeah, the guys, funny. that's the way he said it. He said because they, uh, he said the guys that wore the skirts came in and wanted protection from the, our government, and uh, they'd be at a big conference table. And uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name. What's the name of that? Uh, they wanted protection. Do you remember, Jan? You're not talking it? about the Kurds, are you? No. Uh, there, uh, the big expensive place over there. Uh, oh, oh the, the the Kuwaitis. Kuwaitis, that's it. So Tom uh, was working, uh, and I was over in Houston with the Bush money and the Bush oil embargo stuff, I guess. And he was over there in uh, uh, doing going to the meeting with the Kuwait prancer. Whatever, but Tom had saved his little granddaughter out in the field where they were being bombed. He didn't know it was, so he wanted to meet Tom, but he had to train everybody after that. But Tom got in trouble with that guy for wearing a cross that fell out. But the uh, chaplain, before he went there from Germany, gave it to his group of 25 men, I guess, that were going in like uh, the double dirty dozen or something, right? But this guy, after he was like, he, he threw his weapon over to that guy that wore the skirt, the prince of Kuwait. He wouldn't pick it up. But Tom said he had two guys that even wiped his butt, you know, standing behind him. Tom was very <laughs> graphic. He didn't have much respect for people that wore skirts and had men to wipe their butt for them. So, you know, truth is, truth is strange when you hear people talk about it. But he would never write the book. But I, I find it funny that you know Schwarzkopf and Colin Powell. You know who I'm speaking of. So this is cool because he was in that artillery division in uh, Grafenbeer. And uh, oh, I, I should have – I had all that written down and stuff in his books. His sister's got it in uh, Kentucky. So what was the name of your battalion you worked with? You didn't go over to fight like he did. He had 20, no. so many schools, and he was a sharpshooter and worked for Reagan and Bush. But y'all worked. Now, he worked. You know, there's more things to do than that. But he was assigned because when he was at Fort Hood, he trained uh, in Georgia for sharpshooting and went to Fort Hood. So General Crosby Saint was there. And when I went to Fort Hood, uh, 
they wanted me to talk about General Crosby's saint in the intelligence community before he went to California. So he went and retired. I went in. I had Fleet Post Office New York 80, but apparently I was in when I went to uh, the four. I was a four by ten between 80 and 93. Uh, and for some reason, they don't have all my paperwork, but we can get into that later. So you went in officially. You spent 25 years, right? Is that correct? Right. right. So what did you do, 70 to 94 or 69 60, to 94? 60, 67 to 94. Whoa. And you became a 9, E9, right? E8. What e happened to the 9? What happened to the nine? Was it because you weren't a specialist in something they wanted you to do? Uh, Politics. They want they they wanted some uh, somebody in a leadership position for for sergeant major, and uh, I had just uh, when I made E eight, I all, all my assignments were uh, staffed, so I think that uh, that meant I you know. I was considered, but I wasn't promoted. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Janet, Janet knows Bob Dean, and Bob Dean, uh, which we've talked about, but now he worked in some heavy classified besides security manager, but he worked in Paris. My husband went from, like, Graf and Beer to Paris, and uh, Bob Dean did uh, some stuff that we wanted to know about, so Janet likes that so uh but do you know any i mean i know you're pro and con on the details but you i was i haven't had a chance to talk to janet about bob dean but janet was the one that was instrumental in helping bob and me and and uh well we're trying to do keep all this stuff up with the ufo stuff but we were going to do it with bob dean and of course he's dead now but do you have any memories or the time or any archives on Bob Dean no I met him at the Roswell Museum one time um, he was he was an APRO and then he became a, a board member of APRO and, now tell people uh, what that is well he, he was uh, uh, <clears throat> it's a a uh, UFO organization that started in 1952, and uh, uh, and he was uh, um, an officer in the uh, Area Phenomena Research Organization. Uh, Cora Lorenzen was a director, and he was he was an officer of the uh, organization. And and later on, when they established the board, he was. He was a board member. Now, Janet, so, uh, did Jan ever agree? Not Jan. This is Jan Aldrich. Uh, Jan <laughs> is working with us. Uh, this Jan and the other Jan uh, is working in the ACO with us, just so you know, Janet. But they both agreed. But uh, Jan said because he had experience, he, not this Jan, Jan Harzan, said because he had a contact experience, he's writing a book, right? But he wanted mm -hmm. to. Jan Harzan's writing a book, but uh, Janet met Bob Dean, and he 
he and her was in a meeting, and uh, we needed a new organization. But Janet and I uh, met years ago, but we were trying to bring it full circle. So all of us, including all the Jans, I guess, because see, Jan's Janet, I'm a Jan, uh, Teresa Jeanette, and then Jan Harzan, and this is Jan Aldrich, folks. So there's four Jans I was trying to bring together. I, hopefully it'll happen sooner or later. But Jan, now did you meet Jan Harzan? You did meet Bob Dean. We've established yeah, I that. Met you, Janet, I met Janet met uh, Jan Harzan as well. Yeah, I met oh, really? I met Jan Harzan too. I met yes. him uh-huh. at uh, uh, Orlando. Wow! Uh, when when they had a conference at Orlando, I met him down there. And that's about and the best MUFON conference I've ever been to was the Orlando mm-hmm. one. Tell us and about that. I was in. Yeah, go ahead, Janet. I was just going to add, I was in L.A. in, I forget, a couple years back, and we did a small conference in one of those cities in L.A., one of the little cities in L.A., in a a small theater, about 100 people sitting in this. And um, I was on after Jan and then before, oh, what's his name, the... um, the guy that goes to Congress all the time. What's his name? Uh, Strong is like his uh, name. Sorry. Um, are you talking about Alejandro? No, not Alejandro. I'll think of his name. The guy who's always trying to uh, lobby. He's a lobbyist. The only UFO lobbyist. Anyway, I just saw him today. I can't Steve think of right now. Bassett? Steve Bassett. Yeah, Steve Bassett. Uh-huh. Okay. So we were on after Jan Harrison and before Steve Bassett in this little two-day Mini conference with a hundred people. It was really great, and they filmed it all. But I've never seen anything with film. So who knows what happens with they film? But people film things all the time. Well, this is still a good historical show tonight because we're establishing. There's so many kids that don't know the truth anymore. It's good that we're still alive and we'll share that we lived through this stuff. And I met J. Allen Hynek. Now, did either one of y'all meet J. Allen Hynek? Jan, I'll guess yes. you've heard. No. <laughs> No. Okay, Janet. Janet. I was in in Germany most of the time. Right. Tom didn't meet him either. Because Tom helped me get this stuff going. But Tom was with my life before Janet was. But I didn't know you were over there working the same time we were in European theater. But that's okay. Janet was working with me in the Pacific. All right. Pacific Rim, right? And uh, so we had. Mm I was Navy, but I did Army work, too. And uh, in, the, in the uniform, I was called a lieutenant. Uh, but in the, um, I was called a petty officer enlisted in the Navy. I don't understand why they did that. But in the field, they give you officer positions. It's strange. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. And I worked in Marines, too. But, Jan, uh, you know what's good about working with you, Jan, is you know how the Army does or the military and S2 division. But you didn't work in S2, but did you? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? All right, Tom yeah. did, too. You yeah, don't remember was... meeting a guy named Thomas Morris, Sergeant Morris? Nope, no. Well, he stayed out doing uh, black ops or 
I don't know, assassin work, I guess you'd say, or spy work. You know? <laughs> no, um, S2 is a, a battalion-level intelligence okay. operation. So that's why, where I work in S2. If you're talking about some kind of, you know, uh, above-reality stuff, no, I never worked in anything like that. I, I don't know if it's above reality. It's the same office. I worked in the uh, JAG office, which is where the attorneys are. And there was an S2 on in Germany, in Grafenbeer, there was an S2 office where he worked. Right. With attorneys. Uh, when, I, when I went to uh, Italy, uh, I worked on the uh, general staff down there. So then, <clears throat> then I was... Uh, uh, but I worked in safety, so um, it was supposed to be a, a GS, uh, I think it was a GS-18 uh, position, but they didn't have anybody, so they threw me in there because supposedly I'm a fast learner. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, was their mistake. That, that was their mistake. That, that was their mistake. <laughs> I worked inside a vault, too, because I was a fast learner. But my officer was under investigation, and they had nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's one of those, oh, well, just read these manuals and do the best you can. Figure it out. I was like, you're yep. kidding me, right? They were like, nope. I said, nope. I can't read all these, but I did. You just yep. start reading, right? You just do it. You just do it. So. Yeah. Like, like I told you, I had this I had this uh, um, sergeant that everybody knew him in the nuclear uh, arena. And so the Defense Nuclear Agency came over to, uh, uh, they wanted comments on their, uh, um, their joint regulation, you know, Army and Navy Air Force, on the... Uh, under joint regulation, so uh, uh, they said, uh, you know, they had a conference there at my uh, the, the high, my higher headquarters, and they said, send Sergeant Barentine and Aldrich over here to talk to these guys from the Defense Nuclear Agency. I said, what the hell do they want me for? I don't know anything about this. <laughs> And that's when I got there, and I I, uh, I told my higher level intelligence guy, I says, "Hey, I don't know why you called me over here." I, I said, "You know, I'm going to just embarrass myself." I said, "You know, I'm I'm learning." You know, if, if uh, uh, he said, uh, "You're associated with Sergeant Barentine." That's why they called you over. They've heard your name and his name together, and they figure you must know something. Now get in there and talk to them. Wow. <laughs> Been there, done that. Janet? <laughs> yeah, well, Tell him they, how well, you met we went, we, went, we went through oh, the regulation. Okay. We went through this. This is a Joint uh, uh, um, uh, Chiefs of Staff uh, publication. And we started at the very beginning, and we went on to we went through each page. Now there's there's several officers there that that are that were uh, very 
cognizant of nuclear weapons, and we went through one page at a time, and we said, has anybody got any comment on this page? And then we, you know, and then they, if anybody did, they, we discussed it. If not, we went to the next page. So it was real thorough. And, of course, Sergeant Veritin being in the, those positions for almost 20 years, he said, yes, why do you do this? Why is this in here? It's it's ambiguous, and people interpret it in different ways. And here's these guys from the Defense Nuclear Agency. They're writing everything he says. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hard to look good for another country when you're being honest. Yep. Just in, yeah, ambiguous. Well, you know how those manuals get written, so we just do the best we can with what orders were given and yep. do the best we can to put them together. And maybe sometimes they're duplicate, you know, numbers or. Oh, alpha. there's all kinds of, you know, uh, you're, you're constantly changing things uh, because because procedures change, but also to make them more understandable or clearer. You're, you you want to change the manual? I mean, well, I want to. For, I want to keep, for, go ahead. For years, they would send out to the field. Now, the, the, if you're in the army, you're on the ground unless you're you know flying a helicopter or a light plane. But you're on the ground, so if you look up in the sky, you don't see a uh, fighter plane or anything from the top. You see it from the bottom. But every Army publication where you're supposed to identify aircraft, they show you the top view. And uh, uh, finally they had a, a manual come out, and you were supposed to give it to every soldier, common task manual. And it had the uh, the views from the top. And I wrote in, and suggested a you know put in a publication suggestion uh, change and said how many soldiers are going to be above uh, a flying aircraft <laughs> and I got a little note back from the uh, from the common task guys and they said we've had about a thousand of the same comments thank you <laughs> so then they put side views and bottom views of uh, aircraft in. Well, that was good. Hey, Janet, can you help me out here, please? You met Bob Dean, and tell Jan a little bit. Uh, I know he may have heard him, but I want to see between the two of y'all how you can pull him in, because what it is, Jan, is I want to compile more work in the future where you left off, and we'll do this orally and archive it but they can be put into transcripts and we can make manuals out of them but Janet had sort of an idea that got me involved with her back in 2012 after she met at uh, one of Holly Hondro's it wasn't his at the time it was uh, was it Bill Brown's before the, they they had the anyway Bob Dean and and uh, what's the other guy had the first Tucson UFO. There was some other group that had it before Alejandro bought it, but Alejandro was involved with the other group. So 
somewhere it shifts leadership or ownership to Alejandro uh, Robots what, and his wife. I have a Tucson one with the other guy. What's his name? He's dead too, but I can't. I know his name, but right now I can't remember everybody. You know how things slip your mind like they did Jim. What's the other guy? But it's from Tucson. What's the guy's name? Jan. They had their first UFO event. It was Bob Dean. Bob Brown. And What's that sound? Okay, oh, no, go ahead, Sam. Like no, that um, was that Bob was, Brown. Uh, okay. It was just Bob feedback. Brown, yeah. Bob Dean. Bob Dean and Bob Brown, they started out in um, the Aquarius out there in Laughlin. And then they moved to, I started going when they moved to, um, what is it called? Uh, Fountain Hill in Scottsdale. And I don't know what year it was. Uh, I was going to each and every one of them. I finally missed the first one this year. I've been going for years and years and years. I missed this year. But anyway, so... um, Anyway, Bob was, was no longer able to. Bob was no longer able to do conferences because he was getting too old, and they had him presenting once a year, and then they stopped having him present. So, not sure what all happened, but Bob, I guess, was getting weak. He had almost died, spent three weeks in a coma. He bounced back from that and came back to the conferences, and he used to hold court. I call it holding court. So Bob would be outside smoking his cigars. So he had to he had to take a deep breath and he wanted to talk to Bob, go in and get through the smoke, <laughs> you know. But he just loved it. People loved Bob and they came over and because he was very wise. He was one of the original whistleblowers. He was high up in the military. I think his son was still in the military. So he was a wonderful resource of information. He was full of stories. And he was just such a beautiful soul, lovely being. And I actually met him before that. I met him at the um, San Francisco Bay UFO conferences. So I've been going to these conferences since I met Dr. Lesson in 97. I moved in with him in 97. So we started by going to Zechariah Dek- Sitchin's classes, the Prophets Conference, and then they moved to uh, Spain, and then we started just going to other UFO conferences to fill the gap. So Bob um, wanted to come back. So in 20, what was it, 2011, 2012, we had a big meeting, and we were going to do Stargate Cosmos, and so he was coming back. But that, it never it did happen. So God bless Bob. I think he wanted to do one more, but it didn't happen. So... Um, then he was never able to come back to a conference after. I think he was there like 2013, 2014. Then his his wife was uh, taking care of him, and he was too sick to come in home court. So that's the end of all. And I did meet J. Allen Heineck at the uh, early Star Trek conferences in um, 19... Let's see, what year was that? Um... 1973, 74, something like that, and 75. I know I turned 21 at the Star Trek conference in New York City when they announced that the movie was coming back. 
and then the movie took a couple more years to finally come out. But the Star Trek had been canceled. So Heineck, uh, Roddenberry, Robert uh, Heinlein, or were they China, and then Isaac Asimov were always doing these wonderful panels, panels. And they were talking about how, you know, Star Trek was outlining the, the uh, future. And um, people were saying, wow, we're going to have things like these um, teleportation devices and <laughs> everything. So I think um, from your story that you've encountered a lot of that stuff in your life. But anyway, passing the stick back to you, the talking stick back to you. Uh, well, let's see. Jan, now we, we're talking, going back to APROS, so you've got a lot of history. And well, let's document back in the beginning for Janet as well. Janet, for you and me with Bob Dean, because uh, she put a picture, a real cute picture of her and me and Ken for historical purposes to uh, help do all the Allied Command, I guess, civilian stuff, because I, I didn't realize that SHAPE was using ACO just like we do acronym for other things, the Supreme Allied Command NATO, and they had SECURE, which is where Bob worked, in uh, Europe, right, and uh, at the uh, European headquarters uh, for SHAPE, okay, and uh, the international schools. Uh, are you familiar with SHAPE? Uh, because I guess we could put that because Bob Dean worked there, and I've got – we've got – me and Janet has Allied Command, and we – I mean, what is it? Alien Contact Org, but – I want to pull all this together where it makes sense before I die. And Jan has that same feeling, too. He wants to get a lot of this stuff out, Janet. And uh, we need to put it on a timeline, right? Some type of timeline. Back to, he's got Project 1947, Janet, already built. So uh, if we start, then we can do APRO and the J. Allen Hynix group, which... Jan just went over to Chicago with Barry Greenwood and did a bunch of work, and we've had him on. Uh, Janet missed that show, but uh, let's see if we can pull this together on a timeline. Uh, Jan, where do you want to start? You said you wanted to get into this tonight, so uh, you want to go back to Majestic 12 because people love that. I had one of those handbooks. Do you know anything about the handbook? that Clifford Stone, I don't know if he talked about it, but I know Linda Bolton Howe talked about it. I don't know where you want to start, Jan. But uh, yeah. Well, what I'd like to, like to talk about, and it might be uh, seem a little bit in the weeds, but uh, um, I, I kind of want to explain how, uh, how the whole UFO project, uh, Air Force project, got started and um, the history. All right, can you go back to uh, Majestic Twelve and Helen Cotter and uh, I don't know. No, no, had... Majestic Twelve is. I am sorry. Okay. I, I I know this is going to uh, bust your bubble and you're or you're going to be really angry, but Majestic Twelve is a hoax. Not according to the CIA papers I studied. No, no. <clears throat> Bill Moore. 
Ted, Bob Pratt, write a uh, a fictional work. I forget what the uh, title of it was, but it's something about Aquarius. A Aquarius. fictional work, Aquarius. Well, I know had, about Bill Moore's story. So, are you saying that Bill Moore made a prank? I'm I'm talking about reading files. Now you're like you I, I well I don't know where you're going to find any files from the CIA talking about MJ12 because there are none. There are phony documents that talk about MJ12, which were made up. Uh, and uh, like I said, Bob Pratt. Bob Pratt wrote this. I'm gonna go look in the wrote, CIA files. <laughs> Bob Pratt wrote this. This uh, novel for uh, uh, at the request of uh, um, Bill Moore, and that's the origin of MJ12 there. And then uh, 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 the whole thing was introduced by Bill Moore, and. Uh, uh, some of the some of the documents were uh, I, I you know nobody has actually found out who exactly um, fabricated the documents, but we have uh, majestic. That's supposedly the code word for MJ12. All right. Now, well, maybe we can. Well, wait, uh, majestic, majestic, majestic. Was, yeah, yeah. Was the alternate code word for the invasion of northern Japan during World War II? It was a top secret code word. The original code word was Olympic, but it became compromised. So majestic was the. Uh, the military's alternate code word for the invasion of Japan, which they thought they were going to lose about a million men during that invasion. If they hadn't, of course, dropping the atom bomb meant that the, the whole thing was moot. So uh, in, in 1947, people didn't know that the word majestic had been downgraded. as the uh, code word for the invasion of Japan, because, you know, the, the plans didn't mean anything now. It, the war was war, war was over. So they're going to take a code word that people are confused if it's still classified or not, and they're going to put it on the UFO thing. Oh, bull butter. Bull butter. The, uh, the Air Force in Japan, the Air Force in Japan, uh-huh. wrote to Air Force Intelligence and said, can you tell us the classification? And this is in a top secret message back. Can you tell us the classification of uh, Majestic? And uh, Air Force Intelligence in 1947 told them Majestic has been downgraded to restricted. Okay, so then you've got to you, then you put uh, 
the code word for MJ-12 is majestic. Is is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard of? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Somebody will will uh, misunderstand and uh, release classified information because they, the word majestic is downgraded. That's so the stupidest thing MHA I've ever heard of. Huh? Did you ever see the MA, Did you see magic files or not? Are you saying magic files? Things, you know what magic files were? Now, I know and, what I I researched, but you tell me what you magic, researched. M A G M A G I C. This is where Moore got these. This is where Moore got these because he went to Carlisle Barracks in Pennsylvania. He was there. His home's in Pennsylvania. He went to the Carlisle Barracks and he saw magic uh, documents in the Carlisle Barracks in the Army Historical Institute there. What they were were the uh, Japanese codes that had been broken. Admiral Leahy, who was in charge of uh, the uh, uh, chief of staff for Truman, he had what he called the magic group, M-A-G-I-C. And those were the people that could see the broken Japanese codes. They could see a magic thing. And it said on the, on the documents, magic, eyes only. Now, Bill, right. Moore took, uh, Bill Moore took those things and made it M-A-J-I-C. And did the same kind of markings. He just copied this thing. So we have the the majestic code word, uh, which was the invasion of northern Japan. And then we got the magic codes, the Japanese broken code uh, things. And more just made that part of MJ-12. Give me a well, break. This is, this is a hoax. This is a hoax, 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 hoax. So you're saying the original paperwork that says bogus, but the FBI has files and the CIA has files on it. The FBI has a file books. saying it's fake. The FBI so has a one... file that's saying that MJ-12 is fake. So the Air Force has a file that, has, that says... Existed. You will agree that Vannevar Bush and Helen Cotter and uh, all the men that were there, they existed. You will admit that when you break uh, it down. I know that they existed. Of course, they were all dead okay. when, Moore, when Moore wrote his, his phony papers. <laughs> they were all dead, okay. so nobody could come forward and say, this is, this is crap, I was never in this, because they were all dead. Now, was Bill Moore a Mormon, or he was just a shield? I don't or know what was... he was. I don't, I don't care about his religion. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, this is this is this is this is a uh, really, I, I, you know, I, I really thought by this time that uh, most people understood that this this was a hoax. Well, most and people had, don't even most believe these, most of these documents. <laughs> most of these documents, most of the MJ12 documents that came out, nobody, uh, the the people that. Uh, pushing the MJ-12 documents, they don't want people to see, like, there's one document called MJ-2, 
It is so poorly written, and if you know anything about classifications and things, uh, it's it, it's just a piece of junk. And this came out with with all the other documents, um, like the S O M one hundred one. But you know nobody wants to show that because it's so poorly done that it's uh, that that. That nobody wants to see these things because it just it just makes them look silly. It well, them let's go silly. back and look at okay, the Okay, wait board. a minute. Let's go. Let's go to another thing here. Okay, uh, double break it down. Janet loves to do that. <laughs> Ty, uh, T- Timothy uh, Timothy uh, uh, Cooper. Okay. Uh, he's the he's the source of a lot of MJ12 documents. So the Navy caught him in a in a uh, uh, real stupid thing. Uh, he he made up some documents. Of course, you know these are documents that somebody slipped me. It's on the Battle of Los Angeles. The Battle of Los Angeles, and it, one of the documents is uh, a, a letter to Roosevelt saying, um, talking about. Well, uh, you know, there were uh, the Battle of Los Angeles was UFOs, and we've got one of them. Um, not many people know about this. We're going to hold these until after the war. So uh, it says, but we suspect that the head of uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, uh, Chief Admiral Anderson, knows about these uh these recoveries. So that that document comes from Tim uh, Timothy Cooper. He supposedly, you know, somebody slipped it to him. Here's the problem with Admiral Anderson. Admiral Anderson was not the head of Office of Naval Intelligence during the uh, Battle of Los Angeles. He was head of Office of Naval Intelligence. Early in '41, he was replaced by several other people, interned. But the Navy, when they uh, when they write their histories, they do this: the guy that's if they have a lot of people that that hold the same position, one right after another, they they may they use this shorthand. They say, "Well, Admiral Anderson was the head of uh, was the incumbent." Of naval intelligence in 1941. So then, that means that there may be other people, but they're not going to. That's just shorthand for the for the history writer. He doesn't tell everybody. He just Admiral Anderson was the first. Cooper saw that, and he made Admiral Anderson the uh, uh, the head of naval intelligence in 1942 when uh, when the uh, Battle of Los Angeles happened. When the Battle of Los Angeles happened, Admiral Anderson was in the Pacific, and he was in charge of battleships in the Pacific, and he was trying to get the battleships sunk at Pearl Harbor back and operational. So this is one of these MJ-12 fakers, and the Navy caught him up because he didn't do enough research to figure out who was supposed to be office of Naval Intelligence Chief at the time. 
and he screwed that up. And so that document is a fake. And uh, well, I, I didn't that's see a, that was running. I'll go. I've lost that computer, but uh, the National Reconnaissance Party. I'll I'll go back and look at the uh, CIA and the FBI files on that and put it together. There are no files on it. There are phony files. Okay. Well, they're phony files. You know. Do you and, uh, whatever's out there? I now what I I saw, I thought anybody could see. Uh, in the FBI files, in the uh, the FBI CIA files, files. Have, have they have a file on MJ12. It says they're fake. Okay. Well, I'll I'll definitely uh, recommend everybody do your own research because we've used it so much in theater and entertainment. People don't know the difference. Now, what about I know, the files? It's, it's terrible. It's terrible because this. Uh, for about 20 years in the 80s and 90s, we're arguing back and forth about whether MJ-12 is real or not. And uh, it's like I said, when I saw SOM-101, I looked at it. I I looked at Richard Hall showed me a copy of it. And uh, 15 minutes after reading into it. Is he alive then? That's what I thought. All right. So uh, as a explain, explain the people what the special operations manual was, at least to you, and maybe to William it's, Thompson, so Don Berliner, maybe. It was a, it was a uh, document that uh, showed up apparently from Wisconsin, and several. Uh, I think Berliner got one. Uh, I think yeah, Moore got, got one. one. Yeah, I think yeah, more Don got got, he got a copy of the film in 1994. Right, right, right. So, oh, you're admin. You would know this anyways. Um, so, MJ-12, I looked at that thing. And within 15 minutes, I knew it was a fake. Okay. The, the things that it said in there and the way the manual was put together and annotated, it was absolute fake. Now, what happens if you get a change in for a manual? Are you Either, asking me what happens? Yeah, yeah. What what happens when you get a change in for the manual? For a manual? You, have to, you have to get permission for an addendum. No, you get a change in Washington sends a change out. Oh, well, if as long as it's from Washington, I thought you meant me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking. <laughs> You're talking you get, about in the mail. The they send you a change to a manual. You oh, take yeah, the old you pages. Yeah, you, you take the old pages out. Yeah, and you take the old pages out, and you take the new pages and you put them in. Okay. Yeah, I've done that a shitload of times. That's for sure. Yeah, right. So you know what this is about. So yeah. then uh, sometimes before that, what they used to do is they would send you changes, and then you were supposed to cross off the old stuff and then write the new stuff above it in right. a manual somewhere. 
and then you put down changed by change number one, dated 15 April 1992 or whatever. You wrote down, yeah, if you, if you did that. If, 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 if you just took the page off, that was already there. Then somewhere in the front of the manual, you wrote change one posted and your initials. So here's the SOM 101. <laughs> On the inside cover, it says all these changes were made, one after another, what pages were changed, and everything like that. If you go to those pages, there is no annotation that says change one posted, and the new material, or there's nothing where it's re- the page was removed and it says change one. That's the first thing that that should should have got everybody all all excited. All these people that have said they've been in the military before <laughs> apparently don't know how to change a manual. Well, most of and, them don't. They barely can if they even ever read them. <laughs> <laughs> Most people, if I wanted to read it, they, they wouldn't even do it. I'd have to put it in their hand, and they had to be pretty high up, and they'd usually say, just read it to me, damn it. <laughs> so then the the next thing was I took I took the manual, and based on what I know in the military, I uh, wrote up 50 things that were wrong with it. Oh, okay. One of the things that's wrong with it, it doesn't tell you, if you uh, if you encounter you know a crash saucer and there's uh, liquid material, it doesn't tell you how to recover that. If there's if there's a crash saucer and there's liquid material you're spilling out of the ground <coughs> or inside the UFO, uh, what precautions do you have to take? How do you uh, uh, recover it What kind of labeling do you put on it Nothing like that I mean This manual tells you how to do nothing This isn't the it, same it, one I saw The one that I Majestic 12 uh, That they've got out there is bogus That's not the same one So there is SOM 101 SOM 101 which yeah, that's the it. one that they say is fake, right? That's is that the one that uh, Robert Wood had? Yeah, Robert Wood had it, but uh, Berliner had it too. Okay, so I talked to Don Berliner. Interesting. Okay, so there was this is their fake one. This, so yeah. did they? Uh, okay, so that was Bill Moore. Now tell Janet. Janet doesn't know the uh, story, I don't think. Janet, are, you're not familiar with the backstory, are you, with uh, Don Berliner, Bill Moore? I don't think I've ever. Uh, I don't. I don't think she ever uh, knew that. Did you, Janet? It may not have come across your desk. Can you hear me? Maybe Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Berliner got that manual and he took it out to the uh, uh, Army publication 
uh, <clears throat> facility out there in Washington D.C. and the, uh, the guys the guys looked at it and he said, uh, "Does this look like uh, a military manual?" And they said, "Well, it's it's awful rough if it is a military manual." Uh, now he didn't leave it with them so they could have time to comment on it, but they looked at it. And they said, well, you know, there's an appendix in there. That's like a military manual was written. And, um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, the paragraphs are numbered. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we could, it, it looks pretty rough. That's what they told them. It looks pretty rough, but it could be one of ours. Now, he, ah. didn't leave, he didn't leave it there so they could analyze it. He just took it over there to have them look at it. So on the face of it. It looks like a military manual. Well, it is based on a military manual. It's based on an Air Force manual, and right under SOM 101 is a is a technical manual number, technical order. Excuse me, technical order. Now that's the Air Force. Technical orders are the Air Force. So, um, let's see. Timothy Cooper, who worked, uh, his father worked. Worked at Holland Mark, Air Force. Yeah, but we can hear you. Janet's back. Hey, uh, now we uh, hold on, Jan. Janet, can you hear uh, us? Because you were breaking yeah, out. Yeah, I had to call back in. I I had an incoming call and I and it kicked me off. And then I don't know something was going on. I couldn't. Now, I I was uh, at Penn State University in 1990, and I spoke to a MUFON fellow, and he had interviewed Dr. Eric Walker, who is the former president of Penn State University from 1956 to 71, and he was supposed to be the executive secretary of MJ-12, recording secretary of MJ-12, and uh, he was uh, he was, uh, was executive secretary of the Defense Research Board from 1950 to 51, effectively an assistant secretary of defense, um, and he was one of the members of the team who in 1950 were invited to um, WPAFB to be briefed on the details of UFO crash recovery. Anyway, he is um, he was at Penn State University, and I was there at the same time. And I was meeting with the, the MUFON uh, director of the, that part of Pennsylvania, and he had just written a book called UFOs, MJ-12, and the Government. And... It was published in 1990 by the MUFON Research Organization. So I was there, and I held that book in my hand. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, and I apologize, but he said, I really have a dilemma because I just spent the last two years tracking this down and, and talking to Dr. Walker, and he was ready to come out and tell the world the truth behind Majestic 12, which, you know, that, that he had confirmed uh, that some contact with aliens he said, however, that trying to uncover the answer was a waste of time and that the technology was way beyond anything we would be able to understand. But he, he was retracting. Somebody got to him, and he said, I, I can't let this – I can't come out and talk about this. If you want to publish it, fine. Uh, but anyway, so that's the story. And then I ended up uh, getting a, a package to deliver to Eric Walker's office. He was a professor emeritus. He was a former Penn State University president. 
And so I was in his office, and I put a package on his desk. I didn't see him. I didn't get to meet him, but I was there with the backstory. So I think it was real. I don't know what information yep. they're getting, but there's I believe stories. it was real. I, I huh? think so what happened is the truth was covered by fake news, and then that got out to people like Moore and Berliner. That's what I'm thinking, because everything – we're bad about putting stories on top of stories. Rick Doty was a prime example of that, if you know what I mean. So we always have those yeah. that we cover deep. So well, Rick, Doty, uh, think, Rick Doty was the uh, was the hero of Bob Pratt's novel. He wasn't <laughs> named in there. The, uh, uh, Doty was the hero of Bob Pratt's novel. Okay. Tell us about that if you know anything about it. Well, I don't. all I'm saying is that he's not named, but that's that's who it is, and that's 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 what Moore was. He was inching, you know. It's 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 like we have today. Oh, I've got something great. It's coming next week. It's coming next <laughs> week. Oh, we're coming next week. And then he puts out a little bit about MJ12, and then they were uh, doing this kind of thing. Postcards were coming in from all over, you know, from Fiji and Australia and uh, Norway, telling people to go to the, uh, there was a document, uh, and we had to find it, and it was uh, 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 somewhere, and they, they kept giving hints about where it was. And so every, uh, Every few weeks, Bill Moore had another postcard, and uh, people couldn't figure out where to go. It, it was trying to point people to the National Archives <laughs> and, and the uh, Twine and Cutler memo. And, now we uh, so, but yeah, so we Moore had these, yeah. had these things. So, so every few weeks, he'd get another hit about where these things were. Anyway, it was building up, you know, and people were getting all excited about it. it and uh, um, Timothy Green got a uh, copy of all the MJ-12 stuff. So he put in his book, he put about MJ-12. He, he, he scooped more on it. More was going to have a, a movie and uh, television programs, and he was going to have a book. But uh, Timothy Good in England... Um, uh, scooped more on MJ-12, and that's when Moore kind of fell apart. And yeah, he, he sort of went away, didn't he? Well, Timothy yeah, he, Good, he, he faded away, but before he did that, he went to uh, Las Vegas, and he was supposed to give a speech there, and he gave a speech and said, I'm an unpaid agent for the OSI, and I've been uh, putting out false information. Uh, uh, I'm a disinformation officer for the OSI. Uh, unpaid. Oh, unpaid. bull butter. Uh, yeah, bull butter. So he, he made sort of half half confession, you know, where he, you know, maybe he could resurrect himself later on. I don't understand why Timothy Good, scooping more on MJ-12, uh, you know, Stop more from keep keep on going. He could have just kept on going, but he didn't, and he just faded away. And then uh, Stan Stan Freeman is the the one that uh, uh, 
picked up the MJ-12 manual, uh, mantle after that. And he kept that control. makes sense. That makes sense. That's when I came into the picture. But Stan was working on the same one I was on the on the Roswell crash, right? But I didn't know I was working on it. I was one of those sent in to get the facts as an unknown. Nobody knew who I was. I didn't even know who I was. <laughs> so, I'm not kidding. I got to go meet Jesse Marcel to see if there was any truth in that. And so did Stanton Friedman. And so did a lot of men in black. And Jesse told me, he said at his own table. Now, I was talking to uh, Calvin Parker last night. Calvin was asked to go to his deathbed. So uh, Jesse Marcel wanted to talk to him. I should have covered that more. I'll get him back. But we've dropped a lot of names in here that's good information. But Timothy Good was a major UFO authority. So uh, tell Janet and everybody, because he was interested in Major Donald Kehoe's book, and so was I. I have it here in my house, one of the few that made it from Kentucky to Florida and the cover got ripped off, which really upset me. Now, uh, this is when Stanton Friedman and I started talking, and Stanton did the MJ-12 book. He sent me two or three of his books' signature. I framed his signature, but unfortunately I left it in Kentucky. So all my reports on this particular project are gone. But Timothy Good was a player, Don Burliner, Stanton Friedman, uh, Walter Howe, Glenn Dennis, Rick Doty. Uh, the only ones that weren't in the investigation were Linda Moulton Howell. Uh, anything to do with MUFON, no, none of them because they were not people of interest. But tell me what yeah. you know uh, so Janet can track this back to 55. It all started with Major Donald Kehoe's book. Is that what you understand with Stanton and Timothy Good and all those people? No, you track no, no, that? no. It didn't. This stuff didn't start till the 80s. Well, what about Major Donald Kehoe? Because his What about Major Donald Kehoe? I'm I'm saying, you know, he didn't have anything to do with MJ-12. Well, what about Hill and Cotter, all the people that he cited that were working? Hill and Cotter and and Kehoe went to to, uh, Annapolis together. They were classmates. Hill oh, you did a lot of research. But keep going. This is good, Janet. We'll put all this together, and, and then, you know, we can – but this is good. All right, so, so Hill and Carter Carter was Hill and Carter was um, was uh, Keo's classmate. He was uh, – uh, his nickname was Hilly when he was at the academy. Hilly was his nickname. And he and Keo were there. Uh, Keo was there with a lot of other. Uh, Keo got injured, so he uh, he left the Marine Corps as a major. But uh, <coughs> mo- uh, most of his other classmates turned, you know, were admirals and stuff. So he could go to the Pentagon and walk into these guys' offices because they knew him. They were friends. And he could get stuff out of the Navy. That was his big thing. He, he could talk to the, uh, 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 I don't know if Radford was the one he could talk to, but he had he had two or three people that he could talk to. Uh, uh, 
the guy that was in charge of uh, Office of Naval Research after uh, Radford, uh, uh, he was a personal friend of Keogh. So, um, yeah, Keogh had a lot of military contacts. Besides the ones he got uh, when he... Uh, Rick was and Hall? The, was, he was, besides the ones he had when uh, when he was uh, aide to... Uh, Charles Lindbergh, and then he worked. Uh, so that was, at, he and he worked at uh, the uh, Civilian Aeronautics Authority. So he had more contacts in the government there. Theo had huge contacts in the government. Helen Carter figures in the UFO story a whole bunch of times. When uh, when Hill and Carter took over the CIA, he wrote a letter out to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And he said, listen, air technical intelligence, um, I, I see no reason to duplicate the assets of air technical intelligence that you have at Wright-Patterson and with the Navy's... Uh, uh, Bureau of, Air, uh, of Aeronautics. I see no reason to uh, to duplicate those those assets in the CIA. So I am going to rely on you people to do air technical intelligence information. And I told well, Helen Calder, now Admiral Roscoe Helen Calder, he was the first CIA director. But you're saying they were starting. No, to he's split not the first CIA director. He was not the first CIA director. Well, why did they say that? Uh, director of Central Intelligence. Director of Central Intelligence was a guy named Seuss. Oh, God, I can't remember. He was the first director. So he was a board member, at least. No, he was not the first director. Uh, How Vandenberg many directors was did they have? Vandenberg. Well, let's get all this Hill and Goddard, Vandenberg. And all of that, we got to go back and get all this straight because NICAP said the spiritual leader of NICAP, 756 through the 70s, Major Donald Kehoe, he wrote his books, Flying Saucers Are Real, 1950, and Flying Saucers from Outer Space, 53. Now, I thought that's the one that Stan got hold of, and a lot of people did. You know how later on, uh, Zachariah Sitchin fires up everybody on the Sumerian text, right? But wasn't it Major Donald Kehoe that got everybody started 56 to 70? Because you've been doing this since Project 1947, so all this is there with Kehoe, Kehoe, right? Kehoe was asked in 1949 by the editors of True to, to uh, help them investigate UFOs. He was he was asked by the editor editors of True, uh, John DeBerry and I forget the other guy's name. Anyways, he he was he was uh, his book Flying Saucers Are Real came out in serialization in newspapers and magazines in uh, starting in 1949, and then the book came out from Fawcett Publishing. <laughs> In uh, in 1950, and it was a bestseller. Uh, then so, Keo, in 53, Keo, uh the book uh, 
Flying Saucers from Outer Space was published. In 1956, uh, Flying Saucers Conspiracy was published. In 1960, Flying Saucers Top Secret was published. They were all Keogh books. And then the last Keogh book that he wrote was uh, um, Aliens from Space, and that was in the... uh, uh, the 80s. He was working on another book before he died, but he he had uh, he had just notes and uh, uh, a couple of chapters sketched out. That's that's as far as that got. Well, uh, should we like me and Janet and you are starting this now? Okay, we're pulling in your Project 47 with. I know you may not like it, but Bob Dean, because we're not going to leave anybody behind that's been a ufologist, or because Bob Dean claimed it, damn it, you know, and he lost one of his job. He got a settlement for a hundred thousand over it, but damn it, I'm not going to leave him behind, okay? <laughs> so, you know, in spite of the UFO conspiracy theories, who are we going to establish as the first ufologist among us people that worked inside the government? Do you want to give it to Kehoe, or you want to put somebody before that? Well, Kehoe was not inside the government at the time. He was a he was a, a freelance writer and reporter. But he was a Marine pilot. I'm not in the Navy now, but I'm doing this now for real, you know. So how do you well, want to it's do? It's hard, hard to say who the who the first the first guy was, but uh, well, we got to do it. Nobody else see, is going to do it. I, I was gonna, doing I, it. I had hoped to, tonight to get on uh, to to talk about the uh, the history of the um, how the uh, project was set up and everything, and explain a, a number of the documents that people have uh, mistaken ideas about, and how they all fit together. All right, well, um, make your timeline, Janet. We're going to do this weekly, hon. So, uh, are you? Yeah, up here, here's the thing. The 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 uh now when forty seven hit some of the first things that were said by the PIO so br- bring one in here if you got a flying saucer bring one in here that's one of the first things that they said okay and and then the uh, the uh, these are the uh, public relations guys uh, on the uh, 3rd of July, um, uh, Don Johnson, who was a uh, who was instrumental on in getting the Idaho National Guard established, Idaho Air Air National Guard established. So he wasn't the head of the Air National Guard, but he was uh he was one that fought for its establishment and everything. So <laughs> he called uh, General Twining at Wright Garrison Air Force Base, and he had five. He talked to General Twining on the third of July, and he said, "Listen, this flying saucer thing has something to it." He said, "I'm going to give you five sightings that you should check out." And I guess Twining and Johnson knew each other, or either that or Johnson had a good rap. But uh, 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 Johnson had a 
uh, UFO case or UFO sighting uh, several days later. But this is in July, just before the 4th of July weekend. So, um, okay, let's go so there. So he talked to Twining. He talked to Twining. Um, Twining wrote up a little memo to uh, General Brett Brintonell, who was the, in charge of, he was the, uh, in charge of T3, which was engineering at Wright Patterson. And he told him, we are going to uh, establish a UFO program. Now, I was going to explain to people today how all this started. But anyways, this is part of the thing. That's the well, first military. That's the first. Here, here's the here's a line the, in the sand, Jan. And Janet will, too, and I will, too. So you want so to start is, all the way back before even Kehoe made it popular, a fake magazine. So... So Twining was the first guy, and it was in the newspaper uh, after the 4th of July weekend that uh, um, AMC was going to investigate UFOs. And Twining did that under his own authority. Now, later on, he did ask Vandenberg, you know, can I uh, – he did check with Vandenberg, but – he had the authority to do that by himself. He could start a, a, a project up at uh, Wright Patterson. He could just charge because he was he was three star general. He had the authority to do it. They had well, already given him the authority. That explains why I kept getting thrown over to Wright Patterson, and I never understood it. So uh, because they had me doing this before I even knew I was doing it. So this is really curious. So Air Force partnerships with uh, the STEM, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And Dr. – is it Dr. Steph? No, that's not it. So you're saying Johnson with J-O-H-N-S-O-N or J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N? Because I'll have to go back and listen to this because I'm not writing nothing down. Don Johnson was, was the aviation editor for the Boise – for the Boise – uh, Statesman There's more than one newspaper The Boise Statesman Newspapers He was the aviation editor well, We're going to start and, uh, the original his, UFO story back Janet, He wants to get all this recorded Proper because of all the infighting In the military about All this stuff and you know how Stan Had the SOM1 with Robert Wood And all that stuff Don and I kept telling her it was going to go back to Bill Moore and stuff because there was a cover up, but we got to prove that, Janet. <laughs> so let's I, go I don't back. have to prove anything about Bill Moore. I know he's a he's a he's a faker. He's he admitted shill. he was a faker. He we don't need to prove anything. Okay. So. Um, uh, so we'll go back. I'll Johnson 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 was uh, interested in UFOs from the very. He he did one of the first articles on Kenneth Arnold. Kenneth Arnold, if you look in the Statesman newspaper, Kenneth Arnold is sen, uh, sitting at a drafting board, <laughs> sketching out pictures of what he saw on the drafting board, and uh, Don Johnson is uh, interviewing him right there. So wow, it, Don Johnson. Okay, well, Janet, right? Make sure we got that. But everybody, so we're gonna start with the. And Don Kenneth Johnson Arnold was story. was was in the was in the National Guard, so he was 
he was a military man too, besides being a uh, an aviation editor. Yes, and, I report uh, Air Force balls. Okay, so he was a private pilot. Uh, oh wait, Kenneth Arnold was a private pilot. So Kenneth Arnold was, was a, Kenneth Arnold was a was a private pilot. Now they give him credit in Wikipedia, whether you agree or not, because they won't let us change it. That's UK dudes or girls or whoever seem to run Wikipedia. But June twenty fourth, nineteen forty seven, Fred Johnson was a witness to Kenneth Arnold's squadron of flying saucers. So who's Fred Johnson? He's a prospector, and he came forward about a month later. Damn, you're good at this. <laughs> You're Listen, really deep it's, called, it's called Project 1947. I I pretty well know everything. Most of the stuff that went on in 47, if it's uh, <laughs> if it's if it's someplace that I can get a, my hands on it. So, <laughs> so is that why Bilderberger was interested in you? I I don't know. I don't I'm, know who I'm, Bilderberger. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. All right. Let's say well, Bigelow. Let's say Robert Bigelow was interested in you. <laughs> No, no, Bigelow didn't like what I was doing. What? He didn't like it. Now, wait a minute. I know unless you were an engineer, uh, you had trouble working for him. And All right. Well, wait a minute. I didn't work for him. I, 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 tried, to, I tried to tell you he, he, he gave money to the UFO Research Coalition. That's who I was working for. All right. All, That's uh, Mark, Mark Rodiger and and uh, and uh, um, uh, the head of MUFON, the founder of MUFON. Oh, uh, Walt Andrus. That's who I was working for. Those three. Andrus. Okay, A and D R U S, folks, isn't it? Walt A and D R U S. Walt Andrus. He is. He's the guy that uh, founded MUFON. Now, tell people about NICAP and APRO, because we've already dropped those names, too. The girl and guy in Wisconsin had it doing paper clippings and all that in Wisconsin. But we're going to go back to uh, Boise, Idaho, I guess, with Johnson and Arnold, right? So they must have started clipping all that stuff, you think? For Kenneth Arnold? Yeah, Johnson, Johnson uh, his wife said, uh, you know, uh, uh, James McDonald went out and talked to his wife, and his wife's because uh, uh, he was uh, vocal about what he thought the Air Force should do and everything. And so they went out and saw him and said, "Enough, shut up." Uh huh. So that's about uh, that's a that's I guess in the early fifties, um, and uh, his wife gave. Uh, uh, Dr. McDonald, some of the uh, clippings that he had saved. Um, yeah, he went around and, of course, he his editor uh, told him to get up in an airplane and go see if he could find a UFO. So on the 10th of July, and he had a he had a uh, a camera, a, a, a movie camera, and he took a movie of this UFO. It's, it's in Blue Book. He reported it to Blue Book. Now, the film, when they uh, 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 developed the film, it it, uh, it didn't show the UFO. Uh, it's overexposed. But, you know, uh, 
with today's technology, if we still had that film, we could probably do something with it. But uh, at the time, they couldn't, so they just threw it away. But, Dang. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so shredding awesome. uh, a lot he, of papers. We do a lot of shredding. That's sad. It's so sad we just get rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We got Well, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that's missing in everything. Um Oh, All right, so we're going to start this story. Huh? We're going to start this UFO story, and we're going to debate whether or not Boise gets credit for clipping or the couple in Wisconsin. But you're going to, we're going to go all the way oh, back. No, 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 no. There's stuff no. back to March. Um, uh, March third, um, uh, Auburn, Maine. Uh, this doctor was riding by the airport. And at the end of the airfield, there's these UFOs close to the ground. Now, this is an early close uh, close encounter type thing. He's riding by, and at the uh, end of the airfield, these UFOs are coming down, swooping down, and and coming back. And uh, after Life magazine came out in '52, he wrote he wrote to uh, Wright Patterson and sent a letter, you know, because he saw this in uh, uh, um, Life magazine. So he reported it to the Air Force. But prior to that, prior to 1952, he also reported it to a guy that uh, started out in UFOs in 1947, George Fawcett. So this was reported early on, and it was in Fawcett's uh, uh, files, and I took a, a Xerox copy of it. It's uh, so that's March of uh, 1947 in England. The radar sightings in 1947, and uh, uh, fighter aircraft trying to chase them across trying to chase UFOs across England from the North Sea all across England so uh, that's in that's in January that's a thing called Operation Charlie which is on my website if, if you're interested um, yeah uh, in, 1947 right right so 1947 in, uh, Janet and everybody and so so dot com, not org, dot com. So in uh, in Australia in February there were uh, um, sightings of uh, uh, UFOs and uh, they were so bright that uh, they uh, at night uh, it cast a shadow. The guy saw a shadow on the ground as the thing went things went by. So that's February. <clears throat> Now, I have. Uh, I, I will tell you that there's about a there, there there's probably about fifty to a hundred uh, UFO cases before Arnold Arnold's case. The it's just that Arnold's Arnold. Yeah, but I'm World talking War about nineteen forty-seven. I'm talking about nineteen forty-seven. Oh, you're there's, just starting with forty-seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking about forty-seven before Arnold. There's there's almost a hundred cases, and uh, these guys didn't make uh, didn't make uh, the uh, newspaper like Arnold did. 
and you didn't get on the wire services go all around the world. All right. Well, let's let's uh, stop right there sure. because we've got uh, Thomas Mantell in Kentucky and Roswell, New Mexico. But let's uh, let Janet know that we're going to do this weekly. But also, I want to know your Sweden people and if you're going to go with Wikipedia going back to uh, 218 before Christ existed and if you're going to recognize any of the <laughs> Anunnaki or An- Anu stories or from the heavens came in your uh, oral history. Well, uh, you know, UFOs go way back. Yeah. They go so, way back. You know, talking about food well, fighters, that's 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 really uh, we're 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 we've really been able to find a lot about food fighters just recently. Huge amounts of new stuff. And so that's uh, um. I just put something on my website the other day. It's 19. If you go to go to uh, UFO reports and look at 1945, there's something about crystal balls on there, or silver balls. I'm sorry, uh, from the 12th tactical uh, 12th tactical uh, air command. Uh, I just put that on, and that's one of the first things official. It's it's it, I, I are uh, clippings from the New York Times, but this is a official Army Air Force thing that talks about these silver balls. Um, and there's not many documents that talk about them. Okay, uh, did you was, cover the green a, balls that, too huh? in '48? Did you cover the green balls too? Yeah, but I'm talking about during World War II. I'm talking about Foo Fighter era stuff. All right, well, you've got it all documented properly on 1947. Folks, uh, Project 1947, and we'll get into a lot more names, but it's we're just trying to get started here really good because he's been doing this for years. He's lived it, studied it, breathed it, and Janet and I are picking up the, I don't know what to say, because she's working a lot on ancient history with her husband on Anunnaki books, and they're really, uh, really good reads, and they're very well-researched. On the Anunnaki, so I want you to. Uh, we're going to divide it up, and uh, you're welcome to make your own research. So right now, Wikipedia is going back to second millennium BC. So in the paranormal, anyway, in the UFO sightings, but they're never up to date. It's all based on all of us open source. So uh, tune in and see if you can help us. Now, when do you want to return? Because we're going to run out of time here in a few minutes. What night did you decide and what time? Because this well, is very difficult. Week. I can't do next it next week because I'm, I'm going to be at the uh, uh, UFO History Group meeting out in uh, Michigan. So I'll be unavailable. You travel a lot. I'll be, yeah. Okay. So next week, I can't do anything. Or next week, I can't do anything. The week after that, sure. All right, so Janet, help me, and let's decide. Me and Janet, when Janet and I have an agreement where we help each other 50%, so we both promote them on both uh, Aquarian Radio folks, just so you know. And uh, mine is TJMRCT Radio. <laughs> but I've started another one for our Allied Command Org and Ascension Center and uh, <laughs> UFO Association, and I'm paying the bill on that. So uh, we'll choose which ones to post. 
but we'll keep you guys informed of where the archives are. But this one goes out on Stitcher and Spreaker and FM Radio and Blueberry and uh, I said iHeart, uh, iTunes, which is now Apple. So uh, we'll get it out there, and uh, we'll keep working. <laughs> it takes a little bit of work to decide how to get the base down of uh, what we're doing, and each person has their own historical life. But I want to be sure and bring in the Bob Dean crew for the events because Janet's been promoting them for seven years on my radio show. God bless her. <laughs> She's gone to all of them and just really been out there helping people market and promote events. So, uh, Janet, uh, hopefully if we have one in 2020, in, I don't know if we're going to do it in Albuquerque or not, but we'll uh, see if we can't get Jan because he's very highly respected. And uh, uh, the, our illustrious leader, director, Bruce McAbee, recommended him, and so did Jan Harzan. So between the head of MUFON and the head of our UFO Association, he's uh, probably the best archi- archivist, ufologist in the world right now. And he does uh, <coughs> excuse me, recommend his colleagues in other countries. <coughs> I might have to get off of here. Janet, any final words? Just love and blessings and aloha. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All right, so Janet, we'll miss this one with uh, the history, but you've got your own, and we'll do our own book. But, uh, folks, we'll mix and match some stuff here, compare notes, and then you do your research, too. But just know Jan Aldrich does have the uh, trust and credentials and uh, experience. I don't know what else to tell you except uh, go to his website, project1947.com, right? Jan? Yes, that's correct. And we'll keep working with him. He's a good person. He's volunteering his time. And uh, he's really worked hard. He, he got back in the clipping days with Barry Greenwood. Hey, is Barry going with you to that Michigan thing? Uh, no, no. Uh, he, he's sick right now, so he, uh, he's he got to get well first. Okay. Well, if you talk to him, send his regards. And everybody, please remember, uh, my daughter came in and said that uh, somebody up here at the Circle K on the corner donated some money to uh, Mike Ringley at Revolution Radio. Right here, just outside my house, around the corner, because they listen to our shows, Janet. So there you go. You know what I'm saying? So we are making a difference in our own backyard, folks, right here in Gulf Breeze. So I saw the police officers last night using my Wi-Fi down there, three or four of them, <laughs> listening to our show with Calvin Parker. He's real famous down here where I live. So we're doing our little part. So uh, Janet's doing her part in Hawaii and all over the world. So we'll keep going and, you know, just use what you can and leave the rest, you know, just uh, doing our part to archive and put it out there in oral. So, Jan, I think you're – very good at this and we don't know what all you know but you know we'll put it together and if we bring up something it's good it comes up at the time it does right because a lot of people don't know and i only know what i read so or have experienced but i'll go research and put together because people love that majestic 12 i think it's because it was on x files i think it's because hollywood got hold of it 
You know what I'm saying? Hollywood and TV help us a lot get the basics, but not the real history. Sort of well, like you uh, know that that was the, that was the whole idea is to have a uh, a giant Hollywood production uh, of the whole thing, and uh, that's that that fell apart. <laughs> oh, you mean for Bill or before Bill Moore? For for Bill, Bill. That was that was his goal, and. Um, uh, he just uh, uh, when he was scooped, he left the scene. Well, what about the aviary? Can we real quickly tap on the aviary for Janet? Well, uh, half of the half of the aviary is uh, in the uh, uh, <clears throat> Long's TTSA and. Uh, um, put off and and some of these other people uh, are mem- were members of the aviary, so uh, uh, they keep showing up again. Well, tell people what TTSA is with Paul Benowitz. <laughs> uh, it's the it's the uh, uh, to the to the stars uh, academy. Academy of Arts and Sciences. How are they and, doing right now, in your opinion? Are they strictly Hollywood? It says it in the name, or what? Well, well, <laughs> no, no you got to understand. DeLong is a uh, is a, uh, an entertainer, and part of okay. part of TTSA is they've got an entertainment section. So yeah, <laughs> part of it's entertainment. I mean, you know. Uh, that's and, and, and that's that's where he makes his money is in in entertainment, and despite all the you know thing about how much money uh, has been spent and everything, he's holding this up by almost by himself. He's put a lot of money into this. Wow! Well, he really believes the money. money. Yeah. Well, that's put, good. He, if yeah, I had it, I'd do it too. Dollars. Hundreds of thousands well, of dollars. He's not. Well, God he, bless. Him. He put his money with it where his mouth is. Let's put it that way. Well, and you may not agree with him, but he's put his money where his mouth is. Well, hey, you you took a stand. How about that? So I'm okay with entertainment. I like entertainment. I really yeah, like. Yeah, but that's not the only thing he wants to do. He wants to do engineering, uh, and he wants to do investigations. So okay. You know, I have no problem with. Uh, investigations and engineering and uh, you know, uh, like I say he's an entertainer, so that's where he comes from Alright well what about billionaire Richard Branson Sir Richard Branson, how's he doing? I don't know about Branson He thinks it's unlikely On July 19th he was saying he thought they were highly unlikely, but he's over there building, you know, he's about realism he's got his own Jet company, right? Uh, Virgin. But now he is down here in Florida. He's putting in one of those fast trains. Finally, he's going to be a get to jump on these. Uh, you know, other the other countries have them. We're done because we want to stick with oil, fossil fuel. But he put in. He's putting a fast train down in somewhere in Florida, and then they're putting one. I think somebody's putting one between Dallas and Houston. I think. But stay up on the future, and uh, you know, by the time we get all this history, if we're still alive, we'll do future. I want to do a future with Janet too. 
have a future besides this. The ancient Anunnaki and the UFOs, and then we'll do uh, we'll have to have an ancient Anunnaki and then a UFO story, and then the future story at least. But well, thank you, and we will skip next week, and we'll get somebody else next week, folks. I don't know who. I've, I've got uh, Calvin Parker come back, but uh, we've got all kind of people. And oh yeah, uh, that guy that was supposed to be on tonight, Janet. What's his name? John something John Shaughnessy. Um, John. Yeah. <laughs> well, you booked in October second. You got John. John Shaughnessy. John Shaughnessy. Are you here? Able to hear me? Yeah, I can hear John, you. John Shaughnessy. Okay, you got a, him. A stuck in uh, Okay, so October 2nd, right? If you can get him. Well, that's when you've got him, don't you? Is a, um, anyway, we're doing a schedule. That's uh, Wednesday. Are you are you broadcasting on Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then if, uh, if Jan's not going to be here on Fridays, I have to book Friday in. And then Saturday, I may do Saturday. I don't I'm not dating. I'm a widow, folks. So I got time to investigate and report and do history. <laughs> so if you know any men out there, they have to like UFOs. No smoking, no drinking. <laughs> the perfect male, preferably over no 65. <laughs> no smoking, no drinking, no drugs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you, Jan, and we're really looking forward to you getting this really good timeline down prior to 1947, but he's he's got that, and that's Project 1947, folks. If you're into UFOs, look it up, and we're, we're sponsoring him on UFO Association and in our ACO Association, our ACO group or radios or whatever. Janet don't like my acronym because I use it for everything. <laughs> But the government uses it too, and I didn't know that, except for affordable care. And then there's over in Paris, uh, where uh, Bob Dean was, SAC Europe, they have the ACO over there too. Which, All right, well, let's work on educational entertainment, Janet, and I'll talk to both of y'all. So, uh, Jan, just give me a call. Let me know how that Michigan – are you going to be a reporter at that Michigan thing you're going to? Well, I – yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Uh, whatever I pick up, I can uh, talk about it. Okay. Yeah, it's not classified, right? <laughs> so, okay. Well, do do a good job. Put it in your phone. Thanks Tell, for having me. I run. Aloha for now. Bye bye. Bye, Janet. All right. Tell us real quick that Michigan thing you're going to. It's only for UFO people. It's a UFO history group. As, um, by invitation only? Is that your invitation only group? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, folks, okay, I'm sorry. The, uh, most of these people worked on uh, uh, the book UFOs and Government. Cool. I haven't read that one. Is that already out there? Oh, yeah. It's been out there for a while. It's, it's in a lot of university uh, libraries. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. So we just got to get the people up because that's the hardest part is marketing this stuff. You can write it all day. Get people yeah. to read it is another deal. <laughs> well, you know, universities, they have a uh, they have a reviewer. They have ah. a, 
libraries, university libraries, they have this, um, I, I can't remember the name of it right now. It doesn't even sound like it belongs to universities. But <laughs> uh, these people review books. And, and if they say it's okay, then then libraries are encouraged to get it, university libraries, college libraries. So right. they reviewed our book, and they said, uh, uh, this is the academic uh, history of, uh, of UFOs, and uh, uh, it should be in every university library. Wow, so what a job. So after that, you know, uh, I know that Yale got a copy. Uh, and well, let's talk about that. When After you return from Michigan, I mean, we'll yeah. keep up a storyline weekly, but we'll go back and do oral and talk about these names so people may get interested. I can't guarantee it, but I do know at least I've got a lot of people out there that listen to my show because I've been doing this seven years. And since yeah, I put well, ET on it, they expect me to do ET kind of stuff, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, UFOs in government, uh, were uh, it's it's like a university book. It's not you know it's not an easy read. So um, you know it hasn't sold that well. But it's a big book. It's it's giant. So it's like a uh, uh, what are they called reference? You made it like a reference book. Yeah, it's 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 about five hundred pages. It's got about Where can I get pages. it? I want a copy. Can I get it on Amazon? Or do I have to order it Yes, from you? yes. No, uh, cool. you, uh, yeah, you can get it on Amazon. I think you can get it cheaper than you can from anybody else. Okay, well, I'm going to order it for our UFO Association and just start me a new library in Gulf Breeze. I'll need to get it for the uh, library here because I'm in Gulf Breeze, and I bet they don't have it. But I know right. the lady that runs the library. So uh, what's the name of it again? Yes. UFOs in Government by uh, uh, Michael Swords and Robert Powell. That's the main names on it. And then, you know, it's got ten people uh, as authors. But Do you have the a main book ones. by yourself? Do you have your own book? Uh, I have uh, uh, Project 1947 Preliminary Report and... Uh, is it I a have, hard uh, copy on Kindle or ebook? Uh, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty well. Uh, it's a rarity now. It's hard to get. Can and you I put it? Somebody's on tried it. Somebody, I think somebody's trying to sell it for two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, that must be a hard read. So you don't put it on Kindle. Why don't you break it up and? A series. No, 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 no. It's rare. No it's nobody can. No, it, 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 there's there's no copies left. Nobody can. It's it's out of print. Uh, yeah. And then there's uh, UFOs and our uh, uh, ghost rocket uh, documents. That's another one. Um, and that's scanned, and I think it's on the. Uh, the internet somewhere. I don't have it on my site, but it is on the, uh, the Ghost Rocket documents is on. Uh, that's yours, that, Ghost Rocket. That's mine too. It? That's yep. Gosh. All right. Well, I'll gee, I gotta catch up on you too. Gee, I'm starting all over again, folks. But that's okay. We all gotta start somewhere. So, 
help me build UFO Association, and we'll do the best we can in cyberspace. That's all I can do is try to pay for all this on radio and archives. Well, and we'll just keep going as we learn. Well, thank you. We're getting started, and then after you come back from this book thing, y'all be working on another one, I guess, and come back, and we'll start it and try to start getting it in the libraries if they don't have it. It's going to be a long road for the American Library Association, but we'll just do our part. All right. Well, love and light. Thanks. And listen, we'll get everything you want on here. Don't you worry. We'll do this weekly. But, you know, just stay alive. You know, play that that song a lot, Staying Alive with John Travolta, Bee Gees, okay? <laughs> Great. So, uh, so Project 47 is my book. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm working on – I'm working on uh, – writing a lot of things that uh, most people have not heard of on Project 47. Uh, But I don't want to expire and have none of this stuff out where somebody can find it. That's that's really the only reason I go on podcasts is, uh, David Scott, David Scott let me talk for an hour and a half on Foo Fighters uh, about government uh, investigation of Foo Fighters, and uh, you know, uh, he 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 just let me talk. He said, "Just go well, ahead." I've got some of those. You just call yeah, me. I'll he, you yeah. So he said, "He said, just do it." He said, "It's obvious that you're not going to shut up." <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I, I so, can do so, that. No, but that that that's if I never write. Uh, the, that chapter or, or a section is is going to be called was going to be called um, um, General Arnold, uh, Colonel um, Colonel Chamberlain. Rupelt and the Foo Fighters. That's that's what that article is going to call. And so, I outlined it for Dave Scott on his program. And so people ask me about history of government in Foo Fighters, and I tell them, go to that show. I said I'm going to write it down, but if I don't stick around, it's there. Awesome. All right. And that's well, why I come well, on your show, and that's why I come on Erica's show because we talk about these things. Uh, I, I went on first thing I went on Erica's show. I talked about uh, the people that worked at NICAP, cool. uh, like the like the six uh, the six foot blonde Venetian uh, Diana Sinclair Knopp, and uh, she is actually six foot four, I think, and. Uh, so I, I, you know, I talked about Berliner and Paul and Gordon. And, oh, Janet and would have enjoyed all that. Of she likes that so, kind of stuff. So oh, all, okay. all they were and what they were like, and you know, you can't find out very much about this. This is just from recollections, you know. And I wow. told how the NICAP office was set up. You know, it was set up in in a couple of sections. And it was on the th- uh, fourth floor, and then it went to the third floor. So Barry Greenwood was the one that set that one up. He said, you know, 
He said, you're going to die before you uh, ever talk about these people. And he says, nobody knows about them anymore. Almost all of them are gone. So you need to talk about these people. Well, give me a call anytime, and I'll hook you up. I'll just plug you up and record you. I've got plenty of uh, recording hours. We talked talked about that, and then we talked about uh, um, uh, things about NICAP. And uh, and then uh, Gordon came on because Gordon is was the uh, vice president of NICAP or the uh, assistant director, and he he wrote a book. And so he we uh, Barry and I and Gordon we were on Erica's show uh, uh, two or three times talking about stuff. It's just wow. Awesome. So well, this is this is a good start, and I didn't know all that, so that is great. I never asked Erica, and she never told me. And uh, Janet and I, the only reason I know is I started it with her in 2012 over Bob Dean's wanting to have an event. So uh, seven years later, he's gone. Janet just had one in October of 2018. But then uh, my daughter died, and now I just now decided to gear back up. Now, the UFO Association, I had .com back in the day, but I let it go because my husband got sick. You know, the one that worked over in Europe like the time you were there. Right. But uh, he got sick, so I had to barely get some stuff from him before he died. But he was a CIA agent, but he was in the Army first. But since he took the pins out of the uh, rifles that were going over to trade the hostages – from Carter to Reagan uh, swap over, he was part of that deal, but he was just a kid. He just got in the Army. So I got that at least uh, because he never wrote it. But he wouldn't write. He talked a few times before he died, but uh, we'll never get that history back. But uh, a lot of the UFO stuff that he did, you know, I'm trying to help, but it's hard, yeah. and I do understand what you're saying because you can go at any time. I can too. Any of us can. So, yeah, I yeah. really so appreciate that's, uh... your time. I appreciate your time, Jan. And we'll just, like I said, uh, you just find me on Facebook or call my phone numbers. You got them, and say I'm feeling like I can talk for a couple hours. And if you do, or even if you just want to do an hour, just call me. If nothing else, I can do it on Zoom or Skype. And then upload it to my radio shows anytime. Yeah, you yeah, and then saying? you have it. Yeah, you have it in the can already, so you can just put it. That's right. Yeah, we we've so interviewed you, we've interviewed about over two hundred people. Wow. Okay, so, dear. Well, you take care. We'll get off of this radio show and uh, wait to hear from you again. And uh, we'll just feature you with UFO Association, and we'll do some more oral archives weekly till we get. Uh, so you and I are gone, I guess. I don't know. Other people want to play. Well, with yeah. You want to try what? to record something on Monday, maybe? Sure. But, but uh, just call me afternoon. I I have a lot to do in the morning, and then you know I have to set up my websites and stuff. But uh, noon to six p.m. So that's six hours a day. I'm available to the public. Okay, so I'll call you uh, about one o'clock on Monday, and then we can record the. The early history of the UFO project. All right. Yeah, just name them and for their hour or two, and uh, we'll just let you talk. I can introduce it or just say, okay. Yeah, and then you got it in the can, and so if you 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 don't have any guests, you just put it on there. 
There you go. That's a smart thing. Okay, sounds good. We'll start okay. Monday. All okay. right, love and light, dear. I always say that. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. We appreciate your time for UFO history, UFO Association. And I'm going to get those on UFO Association, folks. All right, here we go. I'm going to cut this off as soon as I can find the studio anyway. So thank you, Jan. Where's the studio? You wouldn't believe this, folks. That's where I operate in the sky most of the time. Let's see. Head in the clouds. Well, maybe if I just hang up. Oh, I know what it is. It's on another phone. Sorry, folks. I have to run about five phones here. Actually, I do run six. All right. Love and light. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.